morning, everybody. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to be back with you once again. Here we are, episode four of Leadership. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. So this morning, I'm going to bring to you a story, a story that is extremely near and dear to my heart and the heart of my family. I'm going to be sharing with you. There's been a lot of miracles that have happened in my life. I can tell you at least five actual miracles in my life that have happened. And one of them happened December 15th of 2019. And so that's the story I'm going to be sharing with you guys today. The story of when my husband, John Majors, dropped dead behind me in our daughter's home of a heart attack, of an actual cardiac arrest, what'll make a heart attack. So December 15th, 2019. Um, oh, and let me just say, and he's living and here with us. Uh, if you've been listening to my podcast so far, you know this, but uh, if you haven't, I should put that out there that he's with us. He is a miracle man, definitely a miracle living with us. So December 15th, 2019, uh, we have our little granddaughter who's about two years old and we had her overnight and we on Sunday, it's Sunday morning. And we usually take her for breakfast and we'll maybe go to the store and then we're going to go spend the day with her. Well, this particular day, I just was wanting to just kind of have my day. I don't know what it was, but we went to breakfast and we're getting ready to go home. And I just share with my husband, hey, you know, let's just take Shar Shar back home. I'm, I just would like to have a day. And we kind of argue about it on the way. And he's driving home because we're going to go home since we're going to take her home. We're going to go to the house and pick up her little kitchen set that we have for her and take it to her mama's house for her. So we head to our house. We go inside. John grabs the kitchen set. We're heading back to my daughter's house on the other side of town. We get there and John's a big guy. And so he's a super strong guy. And so he we get there parked. He gets Sharshar out. He has Sharshar in one hand and he's got the kitchen set in his other hand. And I'm, he's following me up the stairs to my daughter's house. It's winter time, lots of snow on the ground. And my daughter lives up on the second floor of this apartment complex. And we go in the front door and I see John put the kitchen down, put Sharshar down and I have got to go to the restroom. I got to pee. So I am just like barely making it to the bathroom. And here comes my little grandbabies running after me because they think it's funny. And so I just pee really quick. They're opening the door. My daughter's boyfriend's there. So I'm like peeing as quick as possible. We're talking like 30 seconds. Okay. And I get out and I walk back over to where we came from in the kitchen. And I see John is sitting on the floor with his head tilted to the side and his eyes wide open. And he looks like he's dead. And I just run up to him and I grab his face. And sure enough, I see he's he's gone. He's not there. So I am CPR trained and I pull him. I pull his legs out and I just know we've just got to start CPR right away. And so uh, myself, Angelica, my daughter, she calls 911. Her boyfriend is in the Air Force or was in the Air Force. And so he's CPR trained. He starts doing CPR. And I'm breathing for John and keeping his airway open and just talking to him. Going through this process. And there's a YouTube uh, video about this out there. You can search um, the American Heart Association we spoke at the Go Red event. And so there's this a video about our story too that you can 
pop out there and see the full story. But the piece that I want to share with you today is four minutes in to CPR. Paramedics are on their way. And I see, and John's eyes are open this whole time. And my grandbaby says, Grandma, is Papa going to be okay? And I just look at her and say, we're working, baby, just pray. And I look down at his eyes and I see his eyes are starting to dilate. And then I look and I see he's starting, starting to urinate. And instantaneously, I feel in my spirit, he is leaving us. It's the most incredible feeling. I could feel his spirit leaving his body, almost like he was saying goodbye to me. And I can remember our whole life flashed before my eyes in an instant. And we'd only had John up until that point, like not long, not very long. And, and he is the most incredible Papa and Charlotte Ray loves her Papa. And I just could not imagine her life without her Papa in it. It just was totally unacceptable in my heart. I just could not. And I just didn't even know I was reacting this way, but I laid my hands on his shoulders and I prayed, God, in the name of Jesus, breathe life back into my husband. And instantly he started gurgling for breath. Instantly he started fighting for his breath. Instantly I saw some life back in his eyes and instantly it was as if God literally breathed life back into Jonathan. And there we are for the next eight minutes after that, it took 12 minutes for the paramedics to get there. We performed CPR. I, at one point transitioned the 911 operator said, okay, take a break, switch with somebody else because doing CPR at that rate is absolutely exhausting for two minutes, let alone 12 minutes. So I go and I take space, uh, take place of Sean and I start doing CPR on John and I cannot just the feeling of pushing that deep into his chest was just awful. And plus I didn't feel like that I was doing it hard or fast enough. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it for any, any period of time. So I gave it right back to Sean. That was obviously his purpose for being in our life for sure was saving John's life because he definitely worked and performed that CPR incredibly, incredibly. Sean, if you're listening, we love you. Thank you. So we are there. The paramedics get there and they are working on him. They're working on him for the next 45 minutes in that apartment. They cannot get him stable enough to move him out. He's getting things like an IO, which is a, it is a drill. It's like a needle inside your bone that goes right into your bone marrow and they deliver your life saving drugs in through your bone marrow because his veins were completely collapsed. He um, was getting multiple <clears throat> excuse me, multiple AED shocks. And I was not in the room. They pull the family out. So I'm in the front of the apartment foyer with the Sergeant Forrest. And he just is asking me questions, trying to keep me calm and just asking me questions about John and his health, any medications he's on, that kind of thing. And 
um, just helped really keep me calm and steady there. I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is my husband. This is my husband. And about 60 minutes in or so, they tell us they're getting ready to wheel him out. We go outside. They um, pull him out. Somebody's actually still working on his body while they're wheeling him out because he hasn't responded yet, but they're just trusting the process. And here's the thing, you guys, people don't work on bodies that long. It's, it's just doesn't happen really. And so, um, they just kept working, kept working. We get into, and I'm praying. I, so, uh, so this is the other piece while Forrest is asking me questions, I am saying, and in Jesus name, my husband is healed over and over and over again. My husband is healed in Jesus name. John is healed in Jesus name. My husband is healed in Jesus name. I'd answer a question. He takes metformin and John is healed in Jesus name out of my mouth over and over until we get outside. And that's when I kind of break down. Angelica grabs me and she looks at me and I said, this is daddy. Like this is daddy. And we cannot, we cannot. And the trooper asked me if I can drive. I try to drive. I cannot drive. So the troopers got to take Angelica and I to the hospital. We're following the ambulance to the hospital. On the way to the hospital, I'm calling my best friend to let her know. We're calling uh, my mom to go get Jaden from home. Angelica, we call Jaden. We're all getting everybody there. While I'm at the apartment, I've called John's mom, who is at church. She shares with me later that she got on her knees and just started praying, that the whole church just gets on their knees and just starts praying for John. So here we are on the way to the hospital. I get there. I see him. He has just woken up from dying again, and he's going back into emergency surgery. He wants his dad. That's who he's asked for. And he looks at me almost like he doesn't recognize me. Uh, and he wants his dad. So I go get him his dad. And I, when I get his parents back there, I just ask a nurse, I need a room. Get me a room. I need a space or I'm going to just get on my knees right here in the hallway. So he starts running with me. We find this room. And I just get in this room and I can't even close the door before I just get on my knees. Thank God. And thank God for that incredible blessing of him answering my prayer and breathing life back into my husband. It is literally the most incredible experience aside from giving birth to my two children that day of watching his life be regained in that moment. And the grace that came and the miracle that was bestowed upon us that day of God giving John Majors back to my sweet little grandbaby and the rest of us. And God has done things like this in my life, all my life. And I'm just so incredibly grateful. And I just want to just stop and share that if there's anything in your life, that you need a miracle in. I ask you to trust and have faith and to ask 
your heavenly father who's right there and wants to bless you. Ask, believe, and receive. And so we move through. We, our family, goes and, oh, and let me just share this one little piece before I move forward. My sweet mother-in-law, John's mom, follows me into this room. And she is just this beautiful, God-fearing woman. And she sits right behind me with her hand on my back as I am giving thanks and really in just this space of worship that I just cannot even believe this has happened. And I am so grateful. God saw fit to answer my prayer that day. And she is also just right there with me, thanking God. So beautiful. So here we are. John's in emergency surgery. They're afraid he's going to have a stroke. So they moved him back and our whole family goes up into the ICU to wait. Our family, some friends, my best friend. So we're up there waiting for about three, three and a half hours. And during this process, there's also a little family waiting. Their brother or his brother, this guy's brother has been in a terrible car accident. Mom is there. They're waiting. And in the ICU room, he, we start to talk and we share stories about what's going on. And, and Brandon Mayo is this guy's name. And he, um, is this beautiful, beautiful person who comes from a very similar history that I do of meth addiction and just addiction and being in the dark spaces of life and the world. And he asks if we can pray. So we gather hands together in a circle and we begin to pray and ask God to heal Jonathan and to heal his brother. And just this beautiful, powerful moment. And then a little bit later, here comes the doctor, John's cardiologist, and he calls me in, out and I'm walking back to go see John for the first time. And he stops me in the hall and he says, this is not a man that just died outside of the hospital. This is a man, this is, or he continues to say, this is not a man who has had diabetes for the last 10 years. His heart is completely healed and healthy. He has no heart damage. This is not, he does not have the body of a man who has had heart disease or has had heart disease. His heart does not show any signs of it other than the two clogged arteries, which that was the cause of his heart attack. He had two 90% blocked arteries. He's completely healthy. It's incredible. So how incredible so I go see Jonathan. He's doing amazing. Other than, other than just the pain of having had that long, we're talking 80 minutes of CPR that long. Other than that, he had no injuries. He had no broken bones, no torn cartilage, which is incredible because Sean was racking on his chest. And so were those paramedics. I had to like kind of, um, help roll him out of bed for the next probably six to eight weeks because of the extreme pain he was experiencing from the CPR. But other than that, he was completely healed and healthy completely. It was, it's, it is incredible. 
we go then to his diabetic doctor, who's this very dry doc, like just very much, I'm here to just do business. Uh, we're not going to joke around and have a little fun. We're just going to come in. I'm going to tell you how you're not eating well again and how you need to fix that and give you your medication, move on. So we go in to visit the doc and he is already in tears. And he looks at John and he said, you know what? us doctors, we don't believe in miracles and you, sir, are a miracle. And he just kind of stood there and looked at John and shook his hand, looked at John and just shook his hand with tears in his eyes and, and kept saying things like that. And it is a hundred percent true throughout the process of these last two years have been some of the hardest years I would imagine of John's life. Um, he suffered with PTSD and sometimes still does suffer with PTSD just from the experience of being out of your body, being plunked back in, waking up in an ambulance, waking up to bright lights and not knowing what the heck has just happened. And then going through the physical challenges of having such pain in his chest and then on all of this medication. And here's the thing. And here's the kind of thing John and I have talked about multiple times and we've kind of wondered and wondered about because he experienced a miracle of healing and his body really was healed and multiple doctors said they were healed. We're still in um, the West. We're still in a place where doctors are like, but you still got to take your medication. You got to take all the medication that you need for something that's just happened like this to you. And so he's taking all this medication and this guy is not feeling good. I mean, for about two years, two and a half years, John just did not feel good. He did not have energy. He was depressed, anxious, suffering with this PTSD, confused about what was happening. And so that's kind of the piece that has been tough dealing with. And so we just kind of talked about, I wonder if we just start getting off of some of this medication because you really don't need it. The typical person might need it, but you, sir, having had a miracle happen, God's actual breath entered your body. Um, maybe you don't need it. So he started taking himself off of some, with his doctor's permission, started taking himself off of some of this medication. And amazingly, he's been feeling so much better. So, and here we are, <clears throat> that moment, we also, here's, here's the other piece, right? He did live a life of, you know, having diabetes, not eating right, both of us that got him to this place of having a heart attack. And like we were just talking about in episode three about affirmations, we began to then look at, okay, if you had a heart attack, what is the, what is God trying to share with us? What is the universe trying to share with us? Come on, let's try to figure, figure this out and see how we can improve our life. And so we did that. And people who have heart attacks or, or the heart attack, the problem, the probable cause or the problem is, is a lack of joy or is it an inability to receive or experience joy because you're just basically out there working. You think your whole purpose kind of is just work, 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 and you're not really interested in letting joy fill you or feeling worthy that joy should be a part of your life on a regular basis and that we should be experiencing joy. So that's been the biggest teacher in that whole process. Not only that, not only the reassurance that God really is there. And if you ask and he will answer a prayer, he will, God 
is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the miracles he could perform thousands of years ago are the same miracles he will perform today. And we have the ability to call down heaven with our word and call down angels and to call down healing to happen if we choose to do that. And then to have the faith to believe that it is possible to happen is the other key. So if there's anything in your life today where you're leaning towards an idea of maybe you don't have joy, maybe this is a moment for you to look inside of yourself and go, hmm, it's been a minute since I've really felt the infilling of joy in my life. I invite you to let that joy fill you up, that you're worthy of that, that that's what we're called to feel is joy. We're called to experience joy. I invite you to begin to look into that. I invite you to really experience life. We are not meant to just be doers. We are not human doers. We are human beings. We're meant to be much more than we do. And in our Western society, in the way that um, we're taught, we are meant to work, work, work. And then if you've got some time, go live. Well, then you're 48 years old and dropping dead from a heart attack, you know, those kinds of things. So I just invite you today to know that um, God is real. Miracles are real. And that you have the ability to create, promote, and allow what you want to experience in your life and what you know you're called to experience in your life. Keep moving, keep moving forward. Keep the dream inside of your heart alive. And thank you for listening. And I look forward to visiting with each of you again next time.